I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Well, hello. You are listening to the Weight Loss Podcast. It has to be surely the number one health and fitness podcast on the internet. Am I right? It should be about time, yeah. I would so, have thought so. I, I would say as a conservative estimate, we're probably between number one and number 50,000. Yeah. So we're, we're getting towards the top. Excellent. So we're almost there. My name is Matt, and as always, I'm here with my employer and my boss, Courtney. Yes, that's me. My wife. <laughs> yes. Wife, how are you that going? That comes third down the list, apparently. How are, how are you, dear? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm awesome. Excellent. So what are we doing today? We are doing a Q&A. What does that mean? We are going to do answer some questions. We still have a huge amount of questions that we received. When did we receive all these questions? We've got them over time. Yeah, they've so, sort of built up and built up. We had a big influx um, a few months ago when we did our last Q&A. And we've still got heaps and because we've been adding to the list as well. So, so we have lots and lots of questions that are worth answering, but probably not worth their own fully fleshed out episode, or perhaps we're not smart enough to think that they are. Well, they might be, but we can always do that in the future. But well, it's our podcast, do whatever the fuck we want, can't we? Exactly. But this is just a great way to be able to answer and go through as much information as possible in a short amount of time. Yeah, so we have a bucket of questions that we've been receiving and we are going to randomly pull them out one after the other and ask each other the question and we don't know what we're going to pull out, so we don't know what we're walking into here. Uh, so, Courtney, would you like to pull the first one out and let's just get straight into this. Okay. How do I stay injury-free? How do I stay injury-free? Listen to your body. Absolutely. Know when to take breaks. Know when to pump the brakes and take it easy. I think also just, you said it really well, Matt, listen to your body. Mic drop. (laughs) Listen to your body. I don't think enough of us actually take the time to stop and listen to our bodies. So, I mean, I often say to clients, you know, let me know if this hurts or if this is sore. Well, and then I explain, of course, it's going to hurt. Um, And of course, you're going to be sore, but there's a different sort of soreness and there's a different sort of hurt. So you've really got to listen to your body and just start to understand whether it is just you are sore because you've just worked out or it hurts because it's hard or is it hurting because you're doing something wrong, your body doesn't like that, you know, your posture might be off. So you've really just got to listen to your body um, and don't overtrain. That is also a number one way of injuring yourself. The thing I've noticed when it comes to injuries with people, I actually don't see that many people or, or speak to that many people that have hurt themselves doing something really silly. What I see the most is people doing it so much without taking a break. Yeah. So as, as Courtney just said, overtraining, but also uh, not having a break. So, you know, keep trying to, you know, people keep trying to work out at a maximum intensity months and months and months and months and months. Sooner or later, your body's going to wear down. Mm. So I think, um, well, look, in all due modesty, I think I nailed it first time. Listen to your body. Beautiful. Next question. All right, let's get the next one. I've heard. The ketosis diet is good. You should eat more fats. Is this true? Well, Courtney, to start please off give with... us a scientific breakdown of the ketosis diet. Thank you, Professor Lay. No, you give you give you're much more um, versed on the ketosis diet than I am. So why don't you start off with giving a rundown on what is the ketosis diet 
for anyone listening that doesn't know. Okay, well, what is the most important word in this question? Diet. Exactly. Now, what does that mean? That it is depriving you of something. And ketosis is depriving you of a lot of things because ketosis is when you basically stop having any form of carbohydrate. Now, the body's primary fuel source happens to be what? What? Did okay. you say? Sorry. Okay, so, um, sorry, Courtney, you go back to sleep. I'll just finish the rest of the show here. So, uh, welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt. <laughs> Courtney's here sleeping. No, sorry. The... I just looked at my desk because I just realized that I don't have any water. And then I looked back I and you were saying something about, <laughs> about fuel. I married this. Sorry. I actually married this. Go on. Okay, ketosis is, uh, as I said, no carbohydrates, more or less. And the body's primary fuel source happens to be carbohydrates. carbohydrates. So the theory is that by putting yourself into ketosis, your body's going to burn fat for fuel. Hmm. Now, I personally have not done this. Um, I won't ever do it because I have been functioning on a diet with strategic carbohydrates for a very, very long time. And I don't fancy my ability to perform at optimal level without that fuel source. But from people and friends and respected colleagues who have done this, uh, I've had mixed feedback. Mm. So I've had, this is very good. And I've had, this is fucked. I can't function properly. I've got no energy. I can't work out with any sort of juice. Yeah. Um, so you should eat more fats. Is this true? Well, more healthy fats? Yes. The omega-3 type of fats. More saturated fat? Mm, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Saturated fat's obviously bad. Omega-3 is very good because most of our food that we eat is very high in omega-6 naturally. Ooh. So the ratio of our bodies tends to be quite off between uh, omega-6 and omega-3. So uh, making sure that you get uh, a boost of omega-3 is very helpful. Yeah. Um, so I personally, well, Courtney and I aren't ever going to put any of our clients on uh, a ketosis diet. One, because it's a diet and diets are fucked. Um, but on top of that as well, there's, I don't, I'm not comfortable with the idea of putting someone on a plan, so to speak, where the outcome is literally 50-50. Yeah. Where, where we've currently been prescribing things to our clients and the way we've been guiding them, there's, there's, no, there's no drawbacks. There's no potential... Um, uh, I'm, fuck, I'm drawing a blank. But there's no, there's no uh, bad consequences. Oh, yeah, there's no downside. To... There's no downside. So we can say the way that we work with our clients is 100% safe, 100% effective, 100% sustainable. We will stick with that because we know it's going to work. Uh, ketosis may work for some, but also may backfire horribly for others. And I, I personally, as a professional, not comfortable taking a risk like that. Uh, it's like in basketball, if I had to get two points, would I rather try and get the two points from underneath the basket or from the other end of the court? Mm. Uh, Courtney, next question. Right. go why is it so easy to gain and so hard to lose <laughs> i'm assuming they're talking about weight <clears throat> well you this, what's the podcast called the weight loss podcast okay so with that in mind let's answer it with that perspective why is it so easy to gain and so hard to lose yes a number of factors um one could be age Hmm where people spend years and years and years just not giving a, a fuck about their health and just like, oh, it's all good, I'm fine, and I'll just keep shoving this shit into my face. Until you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s and go, oh, I look like shit, I feel like shit, I don't like this. And then comes the part where you have to undo things. Uh, it's also so easy to gain because so many people just binge their way yeah. um, into, you know expanding shall we say uh also it's hard to lose i think it's really hard to lose because most people can't get out of their own way mm. if someone has focus 
and structure and accountability, like the actual the actual weight loss part isn't as hard as overcoming the bullshit you tell yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's what makes it the hardest part in terms of in terms of actual weight loss. I mean, for most people, starting with common sense goes a long way. How about some exercise and how about eating less shit? Mm, just a thought. Mm. Um, but the hard part is all the crap that people tell themselves that they then believe and their actions reflect it. I know 100%. this because I was there. You'll always be fat. You'll never change. Blah, blah, blah. And then you believe it enough and that's what your actions will, will reflect and voila. And I think on top of that then is that once you've got that under control, then it's about the actual habits of what you're eating. Um, it's about overcoming the, the fuel shift. And, you know, they, they say that, that sugar is one of the most addictive things. Have you heard that? I have. So to overcome that and to take out less of those sort of um, stimulus foods that we have that has helped us become overweight is really a difficult challenge as well. And that, that tends to be, you're right, Matt, those things are the hardest part. Oh, actually, can I, can I run off a checklist here of why it's so hard to lose? Sure. Okay. One, people try and do too much at once. Yes. So let's turn this into a diet and try and have all of these rules and fix everything right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so hard. Because people compare themselves to others constantly. That's why it's so hard. Because people focus on a quick fix and not a long-term, permanent, sustainable solution. That's why it's so hard. You want to add to that? I think it's pretty wrapped it up. <laughs> because the focus is more on the end result, not what it takes to get there. The actual process yeah. and the habits that need to be formed and need to be reprogrammed slowly. That's why it's so hard. Because people quit too fucking soon. That's why it's so hard. And it's easy to gain weight uh, for, I think, pretty obvious reasons. Well, you don't care. Well, you don't care. The foods that are so easily available these days, which are just so high in saturated fats, um, really low in good fats, um, they just don't give you really any nutritional benefit. Um, it's so easy to gain weight because uh, we grow up with a, with a huge lack of awareness and understanding about food, um, a lack of education about food. Um, Do you think there is a correlation between the worse your habits are, the easier it is to gain weight. Yes. And the better habits, you, the better your habits, the easier it is to lose weight. Yes. Good, because I think that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of it is back down, comes back to habits. I think a lot, a lot of, of it, it as well, it. and it is. And, and you know what? A lot of those habits are formed from when we're very young. And a lot of that as well comes down to just poor education about food. We don't know that much about food. We don't know that much about um, good fats and saturated fats and all these sort of things. Well, and also, a lot of our food choices when we're young are dictated by marketing. I think there's more to it than that. I think the habits are also formed through the things we tell ourselves and our emotional responses to situations. Yes. Um, I think the habits are also formed by how we perceive ourselves. Mm. So if we perceive ourselves as being, you're always going to be fat, you can't lose weight, what habits do you think are going to follow that? Yeah, of course. Um, shall I do the next one? Yes. Okay. Get the big one. Courtney, I think you should appreciate your husband more. This isn't a question, but if you want, just add a random question mark. That's your question? That's just the one that you randomly picked out of the basket? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes. <laughs> Someone sent that question in? Well, hey, it looks like it. <laughs> right, thanks for that one. So, Courtney, how do you respond? Um, please answer the question. Please choose a different question. So I think what she's, I think Courtney's answer to that question is fuck no, I won't appreciate her, my husband more. Okay, excellent wife. So um, 
The next question, maybe? We'll save that discussion for later. Wow. Next question. What advice do you have for dealing with uncomfortable emotions that arise when you have lost a significant amount of weight that can lead to self-sabotage? For example, feeling really uncomfortable when members of the opposite sex start paying you attention where you used to where you're used to feeling invisible to them i can answer this question very well can yeah. you can you i can answer it well well then let's let's well, okay i would think that you will probably answer it um have more in-depth discussion than i would because i i did see men when i was bigger so it wasn't like the other I never, way around you it's them seeing you yeah, well, but I mean, it wasn't like seen as in like dated sort of, you know. Still. I, when I was younger, I don't know if you could really call it dating, but you know what I mean? Like I did um, go out with guys, so it wasn't really like it was totally out of the realm of reason for um, me to talk to a guy once I had lost the weight. Um, I can understand the premise of that though and how scary and confronting that would be. Um, but I can also relate to it though because even when I was bigger, I never really felt comfortable in a lot of those situations anyway. So Elaborate then because if you can give an answer to this question as well, let's, let's give one each from our perspective because I bet they're going to be different but both valuable. Yeah, well I did see, uh, I was seeing a guy casually sort of we weren't really dating as such but tinder no this i didn't do this was before tinder um i was seeing him casually and this was before i met matt and started to lose the weight so and fell head over heels for me. <laughs> but then stopped appreciating me apparently god what's with the appreciation questions all the time he's just trying to get me fired up that's all it is but i'm not gonna bite um I, yeah, so I've seen this guy casually and I was happy to see him casually. So it wasn't um, a, a like scary situation for me, but I did feel uncomfortable a lot of the time. So I, it became more and more obvious for me about wanting to look my best. It became more and more um, self-conscious about making sure that I looked good or do I look fat in this or a lot more time taken to... Um, and effort and stress over outfits that I had to choose when I was going out, um, making sure that I looked good. Um, I would um, I would tan all the time um, because being tanned made me look thinner than being white. Um, I still tan all the time, but that's just because now I love it. Um, but I um, yeah, I started implementing back then these sort of things because I became more and more self-conscious about the way that I looked and not wanting to look um, really fat in um, all my outfits and things like that. Um, I never felt super confident going out and things like that. And I think it probably did affect my confidence slightly that this particular guy, I probably wanted to date him, but he didn't want to date me um, and wanted to keep it quite casual. And I think when you're in a situation like that, you already feel very self-conscious about yourself. That um, affected my confidence even more so. Um, so yeah, it, it, it definitely was, even though I was seeing um, a guy when I was really big, I didn't necessarily feel confident about myself and about the whole situation. So when I met Matt, um, we met to start off with and became friends. He was my trainer. So mm -hmm. I started to lose the weight and I started to become more confident. And then from uh, after we were friends for a bit, we started dating after that. So um, I think because uh, we were already friends, that probably made uh, my confidence uh, a little bit better but even then I hadn't really dated so then the, the the I still got that funny feeling I didn't really know what to do what to say I it was very awkward for me in the beginning um what was the question Matt was it asking for advice <laughs> on how to deal with it well that's funny um I just want to say before I actually give you the answer to that, that I like how you completely gloss over the part where you were shamelessly hitting on me in the gym yeah remember that and all those text messages oh there was no 
text messages, but I think we uh, flirted with each other in the gym. It's called denial. Okay, whatever. Anyway. Um, She'll never admit it. Your advice is dealing with uncomfortable emotions. Yeah, I, I would think a lot of it, the answer to this question that I would give, a lot of it comes down to self-confidence. And I personally feel like on my journey, I realized that um, self-confidence isn't necessarily gained. It's it's a decision that's made a lot of the time. What? Well, you gain a certain amount of self-confidence by the way that you look, but unless you make the decision to start liking what you see in the mirror and accepting yourself for what you see, then you're not going to – like self-confidence isn't a given. Just because you lose weight doesn't necessarily mean that you're given self-confidence. You've it's actually, a pretty good start. I just said that. I just said it's a it's a good stepping stone, but then at the same time, you still have to actually have self-acceptance at the end of it. You have to accept yourself for the way you are and you have to start working on that. Oh, and accept your progress. Exactly. Recognize to then, your progress. To then be able to have that self-confidence and that goes a long way then to be able to dealing with those um, situations that, of course, they're still going to feel slightly uncomfortable because they're new. It, whenever you go into a new situation, whether someone's prepared you for it or not, whether you feel confident about it or not, it's still going to bring up certain emotions. It's like starting a new job. It's a job that you love. It's a job that you've dreamed of having. It's a job that you know how to do, but you're still going to feel nervous going in there for the first day. So you're going to have those sort of funny feelings, but in terms of really being able to accept it, I think a lot of it comes down to self-acceptance, which then leads to self-confidence. And I think if you're confident about yourself, no matter what happens in a situation with, uh, with you know, um, dating or um, go putting yourself out there more, whatever happens, whether you're rejected or, you know, anything like that, it's it's easier to deal with because you you do have that self-acceptance and that self-confidence where you can say, you know, that's a bummer, but I'll move on, you know, move on onwards and upwards. There's always more people out there. Well said. Are you going to elaborate on that? Oh, uh, yeah, well, actually, uh, I had this exact situation where I, for a long time, was... I don't know if the term intimidated is anywhere near strong enough to describe how I felt being around women because they used to scare the shit out of me. I thought I was being judged and looked down at all the time. So... When I, uh, as I was getting in better and better shape, obviously more eyeballs were coming in my direction in different ways. And I put myself out there and as a single guy, I hit the scene and became a ladies man. That might be a bit of a stretch. Um, but I, you know, I became sort of more open to talking to females in ways that didn't involve looking at the floor Mm. And umming and ahhing my way through fake conversations. Um, I, For me, I actually didn't feel that uncomfortable when I was getting attention from females. Because I think this is what, where your point, Courtney, was so good. I was comfortable with myself. Mm. And when, when you look at it as well, it's a compliment. Yeah, It's huge. a compliment. And I was starved of those for a very long time. Um, so I was like, hey, I'll take whatever I can get. Like anyone says, hey, you're looking pretty good. Well, thank you very much. I'm working my ass off for it, which is funny enough what you keep telling me to say now. Um, but it's a compliment and that's a good thing. And I rolled with it. I just rolled with it. It's a really good way of looking at it actually is to take uh, that sort of, um, acknowledgement as a compliment and also for me though uh, I didn't it didn't lead to actually any sort of self-sabotage for me mm. uh, because I wanted to change and I wanted to go through feelings like that was like hey I've got acknowledgement for, for what I'm doing here from people well from the gender that used to scare the crap out of me I like this yeah so for me, it didn't lead to self-sabotage, so I can't really speak 
to that one from experience. Um, self-sabotage for me comes from complacency, um, not from this situation. Yeah, I would, I would confirm that for me as well. So I, I just rolled with it. Mm. Um, so then then when the time came where um, oh this, this girl I was seeing, um, what was her name? I think her name was Courtney. She started <laughs> hitting on me so bad. It's like, yeah, I'm ready for this. I just, fuck, we got married and here we are. Yep. Would you agree? I would. So you were hitting on me badly? Uh, sure. She never takes the bait on that. <laughs> I try almost on a daily basis. He does. The fish won't bite the hook. All right, next question. Next one. Uh, your turn. Matt, if someone says to you, what would you say to someone who said, I go to the gym a lot, but I only work out my upper body, not my legs because I work hard all day. And it's a very physical job. So I'm on my legs all day. What would I say to someone that would say that? Yes. I'd say you're fucking soft princess. Um, actually, I would say, well, what's the goal here? You want the serious answer or the, the sarcastic Matt answer? Or a bit of <laughs> both. both. <laughs> the sarcastic Matt answer is stop being fucking soft. Legs are the, a humongous part of your body. And the leg exercises you do involve moving a large portion of your body, have a, a fantastic overall metabolic effect. Pull your head out of your bum and get into it. The actual professional answer is, what's the goal here? Is the goal to look and feel your best? Okay, let's assume the answer is yes. Question number two would be, do you happen to own a functioning pair of legs? Let's assume the answer is yes, to which I would then say, well, then let's use them. Next. <laughs> That's literally what I've heard him say before. That is so funny. What? You say that because I've heard you say that before and it's so funny every time I hear it. What? What? But I wanted to give that example because I did actually, someone did ask me that question. You asked just that to me, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, you did. Just this week. Very good. I uh, I was actually asked. I wasn't really asked that question. I was t- I was given that story by somebody how they don't work out their legs because they have a physical job and they're always on their feet. So it's unnecessary to work out their legs. Well, he, okay. Here's the next professional answer: getting stronger in your legs would make your physical job easier. Yes. Absolutely. Especially if you're getting older in life. Hundred percent. Where as we get older, we actually lose our functional strength and lose our muscle tissue. So getting stronger is going to at least help you keep a functional level of strength, which will make your job easier to perform. That to me sounds like a win. And those of you who go to commercial gyms are probably having a giggle right now at the idea of seeing these guys in the gym who just do bicep curls and tricep extensions and more bicep curls and maybe some abs to finish up. I only <laughs> do chest and bicep sessions, bruh, but I only do them on days that end in Y. That's pretty much how it goes. So good, good, love it. Next one. Next question. Right. Where can I find a magic pill that allows me to lose weight, look amazing and eat what I want? Courtney, please sell me one. A magic pill. God, I wish I had one. I would literally have, I would have so much money if I had that. Like, I would be Richard Branson living on my own island. That's what I would be right now. Actually, what am I talking about? I'd literally buy the country. I would own the moon. Yes. And have a lunar base. It would be insane the amount of money that you would have if there was an actual magic pill that worked for everyone. And I think this is a funny thing that people often tell me about these different diets and different pills and fat burning pills and this diet and that diet. I always think to myself, I always step back and I think, God, the person that made that diet or invented that diet, they're... Like entire goal would be that this whole thing would take off and it would work for everybody and they would become that millionaire. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people say to me that, you know, oh, I don't know if I should do this diet or that diet. I don't know if they're going to work. And I, <laughs> my answer always is, well, if it worked, everybody would do it. Um, can I 
Can I put my, my tinfoil hat on and give the conspiracy theorist's answer to this question? You love a good conspiracy theory, so shoot. What do you think would happen to the health, fitness, weight loss supplement industries if someone actually invented a pill that did all that? They'd be very upset. Billions of dollars would go away very, very quickly. It would all go towards one person or one company. Yeah. Like if if Matt and Courtney Inc. invented a MC pill. Inc. Hey? MC Inc. MC Inc. McKink. <laughs> if McKink invented a pill where you took this pill two times a day, when you wake up and when you go to bed, and you don't need to exercise... You can eat whatever the fuck you want and you're going to look tip top, the best version of yourself with no health consequences. You and I will be retiring next week. Yes. And the rest of the health and fitness industry would want to kill us. Yes. So I would imagine even if something like this were possible, I don't know if it would actually happen because it will cost a lot of people a lot of money. You and I would be out of work. You know this, don't you? Yes. I think that that is a very, very, very good The Weight Loss Podcast would become point. obsolete within about 30 seconds. Yeah. No, I think that that's a very good point. So, so can we agree? It probably will never happen. You and I must invent this pill before anyone else. Yes. If only it was that easy. It would be fantastic if it was that easy. We have a friend that we often joke with about every time we meet him at the gym, he often says to us, you haven't developed that magic pill yet. Is it possible he sent us this question? Because I don't know who you're yeah. talking about. We say, and we say, no, no, sorry. Sorry, buddy, we're working we're on it. We've still got to work out today. Once we've got it, you'll, I'll text you straight away. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those unfortunate things where it doesn't exist. I quite like your conspiracy theory, Matt, where it probably will never exist. But You like this one. Normally you, like, rip into me. No, it probably will never exist. I... But it, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it just doesn't. And whenever you hear about diets and things like that, you know, the easiest thing to say is, well, if it, if it really did work, if switching all of your meals to shakes instead of eating real food worked, everybody would have done it by now. But, but I got this email about this, this rare fruit found in the forest of Africa that helps you lose 10 kilos in a day. Like we would have done it by now. I think that that's the misconception too with a lot of people is that, you know, people like us, once we lose weight a certain way, then that's it. We're like fixated on that way and everyone has to do that way or no way sort of thing. And it's just not the case, I mean, especially for us. I mean, I guess for some people it is. I can't speak for um, anybody else. But for us, if science proved that this other particular way of losing weight worked and it was sustainable long term and it was better for your body, well, we would do it. I mean, we got nothing against trying out new things, but as it stands right now, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. All right. Um, now, I know you asked me a question before, uh, wife, to get a rise out of me. Yes. I've pulled out too many questions, and I've got one here I'd like you to read just so I can yell. Okay. Thank you. Oh, good. You want to answer this one? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Oh, what is a healthy BMI? I feel like it's... <laughs> oh, no. You're going to crack it. It's biased against big-boned people. Why do you think I'm going to crack it? <laughs> well, to begin with, you're going to... There's you... two things I'm going to crack it at right now. Have a guess what they're going to be. Uh, BMI and big-boned people. This is why I love you, because you know me. <laughs> So okay. why don't you start off with explaining what does BMI mean? BMI means fucking bullshit, chuck it out. Okay, but what does One it actually stand acronyms. for? favorite acronyms, BMI, B, fucking bullshit, <laughs> MI, chuck it out. <laughs> what? BMI stands for Body Mass Index. So it's an ancient, like I think this thing's been around since the dinosaurs it's because the people old. that invented it are fucking dinosaurs. Mm. The BMI, the Body Mass Index, is... Uh, an arbitrary uh, mathematical equation that says for your height, you must weigh X amount to be healthy. Now, um, just out of interest, while, while I'm here and I'm about to like just rail up against this shit, I'm just going to look up how old the actual BMI is. So we are live and we're going to Dr. Google 
You want an, you want a age on the BMI index scale. This the BMX the BMI BMX the BMI index scale. I love BMX. The, BMX Bandits, one of the best movies ever when I was a kid. The BMI scale is still used, um, which is both shocking and devastating at the same time that doctors still use this scale. Uh, surgeons still use this scale. It's it's very popular still, and it and it it does blow my mind why uh, health professionals still out there still use this scale, because as you can imagine, there is not necessarily one weight that fits a certain height. Holy shit! Can I ask you a question, Courtney? Yes. Okay, without without looking in this direction and okay. not looking at <clears throat> Wikipedia, um, when do you think, Courtney, the BMI was invented? I'd say like fifty years ago. Okay. Sixty years ago, let's say somewhere give, in the give, nine, give, nineteen nineteen uh, fifties. Let's just say about the nineteen fifties. I'd say the nineteen fifties. Yeah. Okay. What year is it currently? It's two thousand eighteen. What if I told you? The Belgian astronomer, mathematician, statistician, and sociologist who invented the body mass index died in 1874. No. Yes. The internet knows all. So if the guy, Lambert Adolphe Jacques Quetelet, hoping I pronounced that correctly, died on the 17th of February, 1874. Wow. Now, what does that tell you about how old the body mass index is? It tells you that it's incredibly old. The internet says it was introduced in the early 19th century. That would make it the 1800s. What year is it again? It's 2018. Now, can I ask another question? Yes. Do you think it's possible that the science of health, fitness, body composition has advanced in roughly 170 years. Yeah, I'd say it probably has. I happen to agree with you. Okay, so back to answering the actual question. The BMI is an extremely old, older than 50 years, uh, older uh, formula that says you must weigh a certain weight based on your height. So then it says if... Let's take, for example, myself. I am around about two meters tall, as we measured last night. Yeah. Which is six foot seven in the old language. At two meters tall, I am currently around about 40 kilos heavier than the BMI says I should be. The BMI classes me as being morbidly obese. Courtney. Yes. Do I look morbidly obese? No, not anymore. No, I don't. But that's just, can I just quickly clarify, that's what the BMI does. It takes that weight scale and then categorizes you into morbidly obese, I think obese, moderate or overweight, moderate, and then it goes down from there. So it categorizes you into certain categories of how over or underweight you are. Well, let's have a look. It's got it here. Underweight, normal weight, overweight, obese. And then I think there is a morbidly obese as well. Yeah. So I'm um, at my height. Yes, I'm... I'm Off the scale. <laughs> my BMI is well over 30, which is in the, um, in the obese range. Yeah. So... Um, my height, six foot seven, to be a normal weight, I need to weigh between around about 150 and 220 pounds. Mm. I'm about in the, in the pound. I'm about 270. And I think I usually sit between overweight and obese. So I need to lose around 40 to 50 kilos to be normal weight on the BMI. So. The technical term for that is a load of horse shit. Mm -hmm. So 
we just took 10 minutes to get to the conclusion that the BMI is a load of junk and it is the most inaccurate way to measure someone's body composition because it's not so much bias against big bone people because I'll get to that. It doesn't take into account muscle mass. Mm. And that's what tips me over into the obese scale. Do I have fat to lose? Of course I do. We all do. Yes. Do I have a lot of muscle on my body? Yes. Tell it, wife. You yes. tell him. You've you, got lots. You tell him. Yes. Um, same with a female as well. A strong female who um, is getting more and more athletic and is burning fat and slowly growing muscle tissue is going to do the same thing on the BMI and be overweight slash obese, but is going to look amazing. Yeah, well, just to give you a perspective, on the BMI scale, I sit just on the border of obese and overweight, and I fit into a size 10 clothing. Bang. I mean, boom. Australian clothing. So Australian size 10, and I'm bordering overweight and obese on the BMI scale because I am quite heavy from my height. All right. Um, Shall I tackle the second part of the question that really shit me off? Big boned people. Um, I'm a big boned person because I'm a large human being. I'm tall. So you have long bones. However, yes, I do have long bones and I have, as confirmed, I have very good bone density. Yes. One of the perks of doing um, weight training is you improve your bone density and become more resistant to injury. But I digress. Here's the deal. Do you know who mostly calls themselves a big boned person? Fat people. Overweight people. So when I was younger, I used to think I was big boned. Here's the deal. I wasn't big boned. I was fat. Isn't that just what people say though? It's like when they're trying to be nice and you say like, oh, I'm just fat. And they say, oh no, you're just big boned. Yeah. You know what that is? That's actually a backhander. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you are. I'm just not going to say it. Yeah. Uh, So this whole big boned shit can just get chucked out the window because fuck that. The BMI is a load of shit, but it's not biased against big boned people because that fake news. Yeah, no. Hashtag fake news. No, I, I... If you think you're big boned, it's your habits that are making you overweight. I also have very good bone density. Mic drop. Which is, yes, which is, um, yes, a fantastic result of doing uh, a lot of weight training. But I don't have very big bones because I am only about five foot four. Midget. So I, yes, I'm not big boned. Um, were you big bone when you were overweight? No, I was still five foot four. Um, you were just overweight. I was just overweight. <laughs> so yes. So the BMI to answer the question is bias against pretty much everybody. It's just not really bias against big boned people. Look, 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 look. It is a what? Approximately 200-year-old assessment method. Yes. Please chuck that shit out. So here's... Okay, last question to end with this. Oh, I was going to ask one more question, but you got this one. You used to ask that question. Oh, I was just doing a follow-up question to this. I thought oh, this okay. was going to be the last question. We'll but do you one can more do a last this. question. Yeah, yeah. Follow-up quick question to this then, Matt, is playing, you know, moderator here. What is a good assessment then for someone to use to gauge how much weight they should lose or to gauge what is a healthy weight for them. Look in the mirror. I knew you were going to say that. I just wanted to ask it anyway. Do you like what you see? No. Change. Mm. Do you like what you see? Yes. High five. Keep doing what you're doing. The mirror never lies. I think it's a pretty, and I think it's a, it's a, it doesn't take a lot of common sense to realize when you're overweight and when it's it's unhealthy and when you need to lose weight. Forget the need shit. Do you like what you see? True. Do you like the way you feel? Mm. If the answer to those questions is trending towards no, mm, it might be time to do something about it. Yes. Hashtag just saying. Last question, Matt. Last question, Matt. Drum roll, please. <laughs> 
And I wasn't very good. I've got an ulcer on my gum and I can't, I'm finding it difficult moving my lip. Ooh, we are going to finish with an actual good one. Okay. How do I find a powerful enough why to drive me? That is a banger. That's a great question. That's a banger. That is a great question. We are going to have a good time answering this because this is a legitimate top class question. You know what I think when I hear that question, I think to myself, the first thing I think about is generally speaking, I think that why generally finds you. Morpheus. That so, is deep. I know. So what I mean is, I mean, give me the question. Mark. She's forgotten it already. No, I just want to read it out. So... This, the exact question was, how do I find a why, a why powerful enough to drive me? So you, you just, if it's something that's going to be powerful enough to drive you, it's not, not just going to be any old thing. It's not just a matter of picking a handbag that's going to match your outfit. <laughs> so it's something that is generally going to find you because it's something that bothers you to the point where it's affecting your life. So whether that be based around the way that visually you look or whether it be based around the, the, the way you function and feel or it might be based around all of them at the same time. But it's something that is genuinely holding you back in life. It is upsetting you to the point where it's all you can think about is changing it. And that is generally the powerful enough reason as to why. So you can't really go out and just search your life for it. It's It generally makes itself known to you. And if you don't have that certain thing right now, I wouldn't panic about it. Don't go out and search for a powerful reason why. Don't force it. Don't search for it just because you're scared that you can't achieve anything without this super, super really important groundbreaking why i mean a lot of people as well tend to overthink these why you know got to find my why's a lot of people overthink them and think they've got to be earth shattering i mean my why is i just didn't like the way i looked in the mirror i I wasn't confident i wasn't comfortable with myself i didn't want to go out and meet new people um and date or anything like that because i just didn't like the way that i looked and i knew that i could look better i knew it i knew that I could look better. And can I just say, you do. Thank Honey. you. So to some people, that might be a groundbreaking, powerful why. To other people, that is not really that groundbreaking or powerful. But it doesn't really matter. To me, it was enough that got my overweight butt off the couch <laughs> and went to the gym on a regular basis with a structure and a plan and was happy with the few sacrifices to my life I had to make to make the weight come off. So it's it's not necessarily don't overthink it when you're coming up with your and you're, you know, you're recognizing your why. Don't overthink it in terms of, oh well that's not strong enough or that's not good enough. It's very individual and it just has to be the thing that's going to get you through and it's usually the thing that you hate the most about yourself right now. It bothers you the most. Anyway, that's me. I'm done. Um, I will give my answer to this question, but you, in your last sentence, dear, just stole my thunder. Okay. Uh, I've thought about this for a long time because Courtney and I, whenever we work with people, we really do ask a lot of questions around, around this exact issue. Because this is the anchor point that's going to carry someone through a transformation. Or if it's not powerful enough, they're going to bounce out and quit pretty soon. That's pretty much how that goes. Mm. Now, Courtney, you just hit the nail on the head. Because I, I, I thought about it long enough where it's like, okay, this I think I've hit on this one. You want to find a, a, a why that's powerful enough to drive you. What is it about you and your life that upsets you the most? Yep. You ever think about that and figure out what that is? Perhaps your first goal is to rectify that. So using myself personally, what upset me the most when I was younger was that I was heavily obese. I was a type 2 diabetic and my life felt like shit. So 
what drove me was to change those issues. So I find, um, and I, I verbalize it this way with people, what bothers you the most currently? And, and that also, I think, applies to goal setting. Yes. As well, because that's what this is when you talk, when you really think about it. This is goal setting on a, a larger scale. But even on a on the smaller, sort of short to midterm um, outcome-based goals, you look at what's bothering you the most. Mm. So I think a lot of people chase after, let's call it goals or their reasons why or what they think they should be. This is the whole need versus want discussion. Yes. I need to lose weight. I need to get healthy. Ah, fuck that crap. <laughs> need doesn't accomplish jack shit. Mm. You have to want to do it. We've gone through that. We know what that's like. We've seen it enough times with enough people we've worked with where if they attempt to lose weight, get in good shape because they think they need to, they're not going to succeed. Yeah. Because need has no emotion attached to it. A very powerful why needs to have emotion attached to it. So I think you look at the, I guess you could say, look at the negative side of things, what bothers you the most? So whoever sent this question in, this is a fantastic question, and I applaud you for doing this. Think about what upsets you the most, and perhaps your first initial why and your first initial goal is to change that thing. Mm. So if what, let's say, for example, what upsets you the most is what you see in the mirror when you don't have any clothes on, then congratulations, you've just found your first goal. Yep. So the first goal and the first why is to look in the mirror, in the nud, and go, hmm, yeah, I'd tap that. Am I right? Yes. What do you think, Courtney? Thoughts? How's my answer? Great. Wrapped it up very nicely, so I think we're done. Let's call that a show. We've gone longer than I thought we would. Yes, we've gone well longer than we had anticipated. Thank you to our, our Belgian astronomer and statistician Yes. Um, for extending this podcast link talking about that piece of shit BMI. Yes. Thank you all for listening. As always, yes. make sure you send any... Oh, I just dropped my pen. Uh, make sure you send any questions in if you think of any or if this uh, we, Q&A well, yes. episode has inspired any questions that you might have. Please send us random questions to podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. That's it. And we're going to call it a show. So you have yourself a fantastic day, fantastic night, fantastic morning, fantastic afternoon, fantastic workout, fantastic drive to work. However, wherever, whenever you're listening to us, we appreciate it. We love your face. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay awesome. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.